This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast, episode 154. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And so is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Now, this is very exciting. We are in three separate locations as we record today, which is quietly mad, isn't it? But isn't technology great? It's your fault. Whereabouts are you, Dan? Explain yourself. I am on holiday in Norfolk, but I'm so committed to this podcast that I brought the equipment with me so we could record via the World Wide Web. Don't know if you've heard of it, which explains why you might be able to hear like the odd audio glitch, but hopefully not. Fingers crossed. That's generally just us talking, though, isn't it? One hour long audio glitch. Uh, Michael, you uh, still in the badlands of Ponte? Yep, yep, still here. Um, no, no mortar fire this morning, but yeah, all good. Shoveling um, Haribo into your face for breakfast, excellent. <laughs> so the podcast is supported by Levi Solicitors for ten percent off your legal fees. Mention the Square Ball when you contact them. All the details at levisolicitors.co.uk. Now, we've had loads of inquiries as well about issue three, the centenary uh, edition of the fanzine that came out against Birmingham. It did sell out, but we do have a few hundred copies left from the print run, which will be on sale against QPR at the weekend, but you will have to be quick. So if you're heading to the game, you can get one of the free Bielsa stickers that are now available as well. With full details on the mags, the mugs, and the new grey and pink Leeds Carajo stuff, the clothing at thesquareball.net. So a couple of games in this last seven days then, boys. Um... Two draws against two away sides. And actually, when you look back on it, two teams that are knocking about in the in the top six. So Preston won leads one and Sheffield Wednesday nil leads nil. Was it a decent week all in then, do you reckon, Michael? We must win every game, otherwise things are bad. That's what I'm um, taking from from my view of Twitter and the forums this week. No, no game should be won by a margin of less than five goals. I mean, Mos- to be promoted. I mean, Moscow, we do love a little uh, mental crisis, don't we, when we drop points. So are you all right with it? I think the unfortunate thing is we've played both these loser teams when they're actually quite good. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday are not going to be promoted under Gary Monk. Otherwise, the world is wrong and needs to be stopped. Preston might go up because they, you know, they're not stopping. But they'll probably both drift outside the playoffs. They'll finish seven and eighth. And we'll look back on this week and be like, oh, how did we only draw with those bastards? But then at the moment, while they are actually playing quite well, that's just our rotten luck to be playing them now. West Brom will probably trounce them 6-0 when they've all gone to shit, which is just typical Leeds. 
Um, and you can uh, you can rely on Moscow's predictions because this is a man who predicted Bamford was bound to score at Preston, probably a perfect hat-trick. It was a perfect hat-trick of misses, wasn't it? If Billy Painter can score at Preston, then I think Patrick Bamford needs to have a, a look at himself. Maybe it's the initials. Perhaps he needs to change his name to uh, Patrick Pamford so we can match up with Billy Painter. <laughs> I mean, I'm still not really over him putting a, a shot out for a throw-in. Um, although at Sheffield Wednesday, he did at least get his very good header on target that kind of makes up for it. But yeah, it's not my fault he doesn't do what he's told. I told him, score three goals, and he didn't. He's just a, he's a rebel without a cause and without um, a goal in about 100 games. Rebel without a clue, more like, eh? The thing from this uh, this week that we've sort of wailed and gnashed our teeth at most of all is speculating over team changes and of course there have not been any because of Bielsa should there have been some or do we get to the end of the week kind of understanding Bielsa's position a little bit more I'd always been fully understanding of it until that Preston game and then you see Bamford missing all those chances then you see Nketiah coming on and taking what was the most difficult chance well it was certainly more difficult than three of Bamford's chances and you do sort of think oh, maybe we just need to play him eh but we're not going to, so I don't know why we, uh, we concern ourselves. Well, he might now because um, Bielsa seemed pleasantly surprised by Enketia in the second half at Sheffield Wednesday. I think although there was no personnel changes, there were team changes. The team at Sheffield Wednesday looked very different from the one at Preston and very different from the one at Birmingham, even though it was all the same players. And it was kind of, it's one of the interesting things about the the Sheffield Wednesday game was it was raining, it was away, it was against two big lump house strikers, exactly all the conditions that you would expect Marcelo tappy tappy attack attack Bielsa to lose about seven nil. And we ground out a nil-nil draw with a proper defensive lineup. We've been looking for a a replacement for Samu Saiz for probably nearly a year. Um, and this was a game where it's just like, now we're not even going to have a number 10. Um, we're just going to let Costa and Harrison drift in off the, ring, off the wings as much as they can, let Barford and then Enketia, when he took over, drop deep to try and make chances for those two and just concentrate on being really, really solid. I always wonder if if the plan in advance was to get a point down there when Bielsa looked out his curtains in the morning and just thought, get me back to Rosario or at least get me a point at Hillsborough. And was it a good point then in, in the end, do you think? More so than uh, Preston maybe, Michael? Probably, yeah. In other seasons, pre-Bielsa, a point at Sheffield Wednesday who are you know, in the, up in the playoffs is a good point. It's just that we're so used to dominating teams now. It's it's strange watching us not do it. But yeah, it's not it's not a disaster, is it? It's not Zaliukas disaster. We kind of let uh, Barry the school Bannon... Uh, play a bit too much but the fact that we were able to keep Nuhu and Fletcher under reasonable control I mean I know Fletcher hit the bar but Alioski hit the post so um, and Bamford had that that header and we were up against um, Westwood as well so we always have a hard time whenever he's in the opposite net everything kind of there was lots of lots of reasons there why that could have been a really bad game for Leeds and to get out of them while they're in form with a point it bodes well because it's going to be it, it, I likened it a little bit to the game away at Nottingham Forest last season when we had Calvin Phillips sent off in the first half and then just went attack attack and ended up going in front but then uh, conceded three goals in about one minute and lost 4-2 if this is how we're going to set up 
away from home this season, that's much less likely to happen. I get the feeling that Bielsa might have got us to 1-1 in that game now and then shut up shop and then just said, no, we'll take a point here, which is possibly something that when you look at the, the playoff semi-final as well, when five minutes before half time we're 2-0 up and we're banging forward and we get caught on the break um, and caught by our own defender and goalkeeper. There's just there's signs of us being a little bit more solid um, that will help, but it won't it won't win every game 5-0. Because I think we did touch on this in the match ball uh, at the weekend straight after the Wednesday game, this idea that maybe we've evolved a little bit from last season. Do you think, Michael, we've adopted a slightly different style? I think it's partly been forced upon us by not having... Hernandez available not having Forshaw available is we're potentially just not as much of an attacking force as we have previously been and so by default we've had to particularly because we've got a striker who can't score any goals we've become by default a slightly more defensive team um, whether Bielsa does Bielsa ever change I don't know I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think that he's not deliberately changed to make us more defensive because he doesn't really do that Mm. I mean, we are still two points off the top in third only on goal difference. So if you wanted to be uh, finickety about it, we're joint second. And we've just drawn two away games against teams in the top five. And we've got a really eminently winnable run of games coming up in November. If you look at the five fixtures that are coming up, we've got QPR home, Blackburn home, Luton away, Reading away, and then Middlesbrough at home. You've got to hope for at least 12 points out of those games, I would imagine, if not 15. The QPR game's interesting because obviously last night they could have gone second, but as it is, they're eighth. And so they, they've gone from being almost uh, almost already promoted to being nowhere near us and, and looking on, on paper, you think, oh, we're, we're loads better than them. But actually, we're just two points better than them. It's uh, it's ridiculously tight at the moment. So we let's not be too complacent about anything, I don't think, anymore. The other thing to note from the table is that we have the best goals against in the division and then Sheffield Wednesday have the second best. We're the only team we've conceded in single figures. We've only conceded eight goals in 14 matches. Wednesday are 10 in 14. And that's good. That's If you're only conceding in half your games, you are on course for doing something really good uh, this season. And it does go back to then the emphasis switches to if we could start just putting the chances in at the other end, then... Um, we will be promoted by Christmas. Well, it seems like the, uh, the the method now seems to be we only need one chance to win if we're, we're not conceding any goals. It's the old George Graham approach. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa and George Graham a lot more in common than we realised. We're making it as simple as possible for Pat Bamford and he still won't do it. Little prick. <laughs> so what about the state of the squad then? Because we've got players to come back in for this run of games. Um, Cooper now must be back on the fringes and back in contention because he came on against Sheffield Wednesday. And did he start for the under-23s as well? He did, he played half a game. Him and Shackleton both started, then came off at half-time, which I guess was a, always a planned thing. Uh, although Cooper was limping a bit on the way off, so I'm not sure if it's, if it's another injury or whether or not he was... Um, I think it was described as a fast hobble or something I saw online, <laughs> which, is, which is better than a slow hobble. It's pretty much how he played against Derby at the end of last season, so it's fine. And for sure, this injury seems to be moving from one organ to another. I know all the bones are connected and the hip bone is connected to the groin bone, but it's, is it now a groin problem rather than the hip? That's what, that's what Bielsa said before Sheffield Wednesday, but you know he's been lying to us about this injury for a long time. When he first did it, he said he was going to be only only out for a few weeks, and then he said, like, "Oh, he's not trained for a bit. You know, we'll have an international break because he's still not fine. Who knows? Maybe it's down to Rob Price's methods. He's actually replaced his groin with his hip, and now he needs something to replace his hip with. 
So he'll move his arm. He'll he'll have his arm where his hip should be, and then he needs something for his arm. And then he's he's looking at Ilian Meslier and saying, "Well, not even on the bench, are you? So maybe give us that neck." And he'd have <laughs> Meslier's neck plugged into his shoulder socket. And so on until until he takes to the field again, and uh, and nobody will have ever seen the likes outside of um, a bad silent movie remake of Frankenstein. Do you know what I miss, Pablo Hernandez? It's again something we touched on on the um, the match ball. That's where my optimism lies. I think in getting Pablo back. What do you reckon? I mean, we saw him the other day at the um, at the supporters trust event, and he looked fine. I think he's faking it. He was walking, wasn't he? He had both legs attached. Nothing wrong with him. He was playing football. It was table football, but he was playing it. And if you can do that, he can play in the championship. I mean, given the uh, the injury record last year, would it surprise you to come out of that with a wrist injury? I'm sure he has very solid wrists. And um, Barry Douglas as well. He missed the uh, the Wednesday game, didn't he? D- dropped from the bench due to injury. Which I don't know. I don't think anyone minded. It just prevented that bit where Douglas comes on and looks a bit shaky, and then we see out the game. I don't, I don't quite understand what what Barry Douglas is for at the moment. He's just not he's not doing it, is he? When he come every time he comes on, I kind of expect him to at least put in a good cross or take a good free kick or something. And it's just it's, I don't feel like it's going to happen for him anymore. I won't. I, I don't know. Bielsa still seems to quite like him, but I'm losing faith with him a bit. I know what you mean, and especially with the evidence of Costa, you think maybe Wolves have done a bit of a double job on us here. We should just never sign any players ever. They never turn out good. <laughs> She just stop. Just stick with the players we've got and then just children from then on. Get Eddie Gray in and play the kids. Um, Bielsa said uh, or- Barry Douglas felt something in the knee, but it's not important. Um, and that probably sums up my feelings about Barry Douglas's injury as well. I think I'll sign players and just accept that for the first couple of years, they're going to be shit. Because it took it took Liam Cooper a few years. It took Roof a couple of years. These these yeah, players are never Wood. good to begin with. Yeah, no, exactly. That's it, yeah, we should sign them, but not announce them. For a couple, they just have a couple of years where they disappear, go off to a, a special Bielsa training island, and then um, and then we bring them back two years later, and you'd be like, oh shit, I've forgotten about him. And then they're brilliant, and we get promoted, and everything's great. Thanks for giving us the chance to give a shout out to the people who are making it possible for us to do these podcasts. Levi Solicitors are supporting the Square Ball podcast, and like the Square Ball, the leads through and through. They have been for 85 years, uh, but nowadays have branches across the country. So get in touch with them if you need a solicitor for anything, whether it's personal or commercial legal services. And just a reminder that the only things they don't do are criminal and family law. And the best bit is they'll give you 10% off your legal fees if you mention the Square Ball. When you speak to them, you will find everything you need at levisolicitors.co.uk. Well, boys, you mentioned it then before about the Supporters Trust Centenary Exhibition. You two went to the opening of that. How was it? It was very good. It was um, down in the Marion Centre. They've got a, a shop unit just opposite the, the club shop in there. And it's absolutely packed full of stuff. Didn't quite know how, what, what to expect, really, when I went in. But they've, they've got so many, like, everywhere you look, there's just match-worn shirts and badges and flags and programs and it's weird I feel like most of the time with the museum you kind of go in having not seen any of it before whereas this has got like a weird sense of deja vu about it because you're kind of looking at at things that you can vaguely remember from 25 years ago I think something for everyone in there it's different Uh, all the eras are covered including the the Wiedwald Rehubka era Um, right the way back to uh, to more glorious times their gloves are in a a display case aren't they the two of them together yes they put them they put them together grouped Thematically, they're, they're not a, alone in a, their own special display unit. It is kind of a general area about goalkeepers and their gloves. It's not like they have their own, like a, a throne 
purely for Wiedwald and Rohobka, which I feel is a mistake. They should have been. And you saw Pablo down there as well, which is nice as well, that the club's lending its support to this. Well, they lent Pablo to it, and Angus Kinnear went uh, down as well. We saw Pablo Hernandez signing a photograph of a puppy, which is one of those moments in life that you don't expect to happen, but then when they do, you're really glad that they have. Yeah, and he was there, so as we said, he was he was playing table football and not looking at all injured. And the whole thing is, is really good. Um, shop unit probably doesn't do it justice because they have completely converted it into uh, like a, a it's like a museum. I was talking to a couple of them and saying, we weren't really sure how to pitch it because we didn't want to really say it was a museum. I was like, well, it, it's a museum. So that's probably it what is they, a museum. they need Definitely to call a museum. it. When you get to the the entrance, it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like going into a, a ghost train, a fairground, because you have <laughs> the um, you have some people at the entrance and then they say to you, right, and you go in and you you, you turn to the right and you, uh, you're immediately greeted by the Viedvard gloves. Ooh, not really. But once the stuff in everything is in beautiful display cases, the shirts, if you've ever wanted to see the uh, 1996 yellow Asics Thistle Hotels shirt that is as, as rare as anything, there are, I think there's at least three of those in, in cases. So you can one, see um, every, every angle. One worn by Thomas Brolin, no less. Did you see the, um, the comparison? Um, one of the collectors, I think it was Chris, put on Twitter of. Um, it was a, a standard issue shirt from 1997, not even one of the Brolin size ones. And then he laid a, a Hernandez one from this season over the top of it, and you could make, you could fit two Hernandez body fit shirts into the space given to like Lee Sharp's gut. But there's that, and then also my personal favourite was the um, the all gold Burton away kit from the the late 80s, not the one with the the blue at the top that's just it's umbro, it's gold shirt, gold collar, gold cuffs, absolutely magnificent. And there's there's display cabinets full of badges, there's trophies, there's um there's a big area full of uh, there's old programs that you can look through, there's um memorabilia, so there's autograph books and just all it's it's really, 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 really good. I enjoyed the the, the rack of shirts because there's a lot of the the more kind of prestigious shirts like there's Gary Speed's title winning away shirt in there. There's, they kind of put some of the, the main pieces in cases but then obviously run out of space and there's just what looks like a fairly standard almost like wardrobe rail which is again just full of match-worn shirts. So you're kind of looking through going, oh, Bob Molinar, here's the Paul Butler's playoff final jacket. There's just such random stuff on it and it's they've just because there's so much of it, it's just like just have a look through this stuff in your own time almost. Uh, but it's, it's lovely to see it all. Has to be said, I'm glad that the shirts have shrunk in size and because you know like the, your shirt around the turn of the millennium and in the 90s was a baggy affair wasn't it and I'm really glad because all those shirts that I bought then when I was a younger far slimmer man now absolutely fit like a glove now I've reached near middle age and uh, filled out a bit they weren't designed as body fit shirts but it's what they've become <laughs> well if you want to head down there um, there are some limited tickets left aren't they it's 10 quid for adults um, concessions of five or you can get a family of four for 20 quid it's a bargain it sounds like a lot of money, but it is actually a bargain. You will not feel like you have spent too much once you've spent uh, some time in there. And and book, like I think one of the reasons why they're uh, wanting to sell tickets for it is to make sure that people have time. They're saying, like, allow 90 minutes, but give yourself at least an hour to go and have a look around because 
you're not going to see a lot of that stuff in in any other uh, situation. So worth the money, worth the time, go. And it's in the Marion Centre, so you can go to Morrison's after if you need anything. Just like Bielsa. And uh, one of the things that came to light during the centenary stuff, and we didn't have time really to to deal with it adequately on, on last week's podcast because we ran out of time, but the expansion of Ellen Road, it was, was this revealed at the Civic Reception Moscow? You were there, weren't you? I was, and this was a little bit of a, a kind of a throwaway away remark. Um, yeah, I blagged into this. I ended up on a table with some uh, lovely people from the NHS who work with the club to promote male cancer screening. So they're very interested in everybody's testicles for uh, the right reasons. And and as the, the big parts of it were the Revy team getting the freedom of the city of Leeds, Angus Kinnear talking about Elland Road. I think it's called Future Elland Road now. So they've they've changed it from Elland Road 2020, given that's in three months um, and they haven't done it yet. And then a guy from the FA talking about uh, the sports hub on Fullerton Park. And in the midst of all this, there was a graphic that's been, I think it's been seen before um, and is possibly out of date that has a new look West Stand on it. And Angus Kinnear did say that they have they have these three plans um, and he described them as tentative plans to increase the capacity to 50,000 when we reach the Premier League. And he's kind of put everything in the, the wrong order because it's the park on Fullerton Park with the FA's Park Life scheme, which would be uh, community and club training facilities, and then moving the training ground to the Mathsview Murray site. And I think those two things are going to come, are much more likely to happen. Though they have plans. Um, we, we've spoken about the timeline for the academy where they've got a... Um, a year to investigate the site and then a year to get planning permission and then they can start building it. Whereas I think the, um, the the increasing the capacity of the stadium is kind of just like, we'll we'll look at how we do that once we're in the Premier League. And there should have been a, a fourth thing if you actually look at the graphic because they have a where they're actually building the, the park and ride at the moment behind the cop. This graphic that they use shows big, you can't tell if they're flats or office blocks, but there's kind of more, like several storey buildings going around between the, the ground and the motorway. So there's, there's plans for development there in the in the longer term as well, but they're not even getting as far as that. The, so the yeah, they want 50,000 and that was kind of the thing that, although it's just a very brief bit in the, the civic reception or the... Uh, all the press lads in the room were immediately on the laptops. He said, "He said, he said, we're expanding Elland Road." Tweet, tweet, cause trouble. <laughs> um, but it's it's there, and he he spoke more about it afterwards. I think clarifying that it's uh, Premier League first. Make sure we're we're there. But um, but everybody knows we we need a fifty thousand capacity stadium once we're in the Premier League, so that we can not fill it because we never do fill the stadium. Will fill it. Angus said so, and I believe Angus. By the way, can I ask, when he was doing this, did he always look oh. like he was on the verge of throwing up? Because Angus always does. <laughs> he he looked uh, remarkably more confident on the, the stage than he does off it. I think he may he may thrive once he's, uh, he's up behind a lectern with something to say. I feel like the museum should have had a section, actually, for... Um, computer-generated images of the West Stand because <laughs> this is we're now into we must be into what our twenty-fifth year of of making these things. I think it was Caspian era, wasn't it, when they first, these first surfaced with um, plans for the Leeds Arena was going to be stuck on the back of it. Then into the World Cup bid stuff when it was going to be. Um, I think the FA were going to pay for some of that. Then uh, there was plans for a casino there and a hotel. 
None of this stuff happens, does it? Me, I, I mean, I'm aware of this and being overly cynical, but it's a it's a very long running thing. Is this get rid of the the West Stand, which is it's now 25 years older than it was when they first wanted to demolish it? Yeah, the, it goes back even further than that. A friend of mine, Matthew, that I used to work with, uh, provided me with some plans from the the 1980s when following Leslie Silver did the deal with the council to sell Elland Road to the council at that point and, and rent it back, and the plan was to redevelop the West Stand first and then build a uh, Fullerton Park was going to be like a a retail park um, and it all got stopped because of the White Rose Centre being built basically instead and then the the emphasis shifted they decided to work on the low fields before they worked on the West End but there was uh, yeah the sort of the 1985 era plan was to completely redevelop uh, the West End and everything behind it so we could had history been different, we'd be looking at Elland Road now with a gleaming, new, magnificent West Stand, and we would still have the old low fields on the other <laughs> side, presumably with with some seats bolted onto it. And some gaps either side of it. That was a glorious stand, was that? It was glorious. I remember, I can't remember which fanzine it was back in the day. I think it might have been the scum one, but they were livid about the stupid little grassy hills at the back of the low fields, and uh, I was always very affectionate towards them as a result of that hatred. It's long overdue, though, isn't it? We need a new West Stand. Do we? I think. I think. Just leave this one another twenty-five years. Delay it longer. Keep going with it. I was. I was actually surprised recently at how nicely done out some of the internals of the West Stand are. They've, they've done up some of the corporate areas and things. And actually, you wouldn't know that you're in a, a relic of a thing from uh, from within those suites. But yeah, the whole thing needs uh, it needs improving. When have you been in the corporate bit? I was shown round. I was on a. It was a work thing. <laughs> oh, there's no way you were when paying for that, was there? Oh Christ, no, no, I'm not. I'm not paying to go anywhere. I was literally just looking at it. Well, I'll watch that one with interest. One to note, then uh, Lucas Radabay is back in town, isn't he? It's Farsley a town. Um, we'll, we'll class it as a town within Leeds anyway and not quite the Lucas Radabay but uh, Lucas Radabay Jr the son of the uh, former Leeds legend is at Farsley Celtic and is Farsley even in Leeds isn't it Bradford uh, you're going to get a lot of complaints about that <laughs> you're going to get a hell of a lot of complaints about that <laughs> believe me as a man from Bradford we'd, we'd love to have Farsley in the BD postcode uh, canon but it's not well it's not always by postcode is it I mean uh, there are uh, Wakefield has a WF postcode not Wakefield oh there's bits all over the place you're thinking, you're thinking of Otley and Ilkley and stuff like that aren't you here yeah well yes there you go Ilkley has a Leeds postcode and it's in Bradford just like Farsley and we treasure having Ilkley as one of our own because it's far far too good for Bradford <laughs> anyway that's nice isn't it to have Lucas Radabay back in uh, back in town Leeds or otherwise we should move back we just need the main the proper Lucas we need him back full time anyway I feel the club's just a nicer place with him around. I don't know what he's going to do, but he can chat to people and stuff, can't he? Just pay him a salary. We have emphasised that this is his son, haven't we? Yeah. Okay, just, I, I might have missed all that while I was um, concentrating on geography lessons. Yeah, and I, I suppose it's one way of uh, of boosting attendances as far as, because I might, I might cross the border just to go and see if, if Lucas is there watching him. Just go gaze at the great man. I know. He's, he's got an aura. You know, we, we interviewed him some years back for the square ball. Was it about 2011 when he popped across? What a man just to go into the room with him. And again, we have spoken about this on the podcast before, I think, Michael. It was just, he's just, he has an aura, does Lucas. And a lovely smile. So he's, one of the, he's one of the most friendly sort of faces you can be intimidated by. The last time I went to Farsley, uh, the face in the crowd that I, who had an aura that I was gazing at was Adam Drury. I think David Norris was sitting next to him as well, staring at the pitch and uh, burning rivets into it with his laser blue eyes. 
I came across a picture of Adam Drury not long ago. He was well, it wasn't just him. He was on a team picture with about five other people. Could not remember who it was. Someone else had to point who uh, point out the, the guy's name because I genuinely he, he could be in my house right now and I would not know who he was. He's not in my house, I should say. <laughs> Strange man just wandering around. Are you Adam Drury? <laughs> I knew you'd come one day. <laughs> I've been waiting. Right, let's move on to the Jordan Stevens thing because there's been a bit of uh, follow-up on that because he's back from his ban from gambling and he played in the under-23s this week. That was a strange affair all round, wasn't it? A young man that clearly needed a bit of help and, and wasn't offered it by the authorities. Uh, Angus Kinnear mentioned this in the programme the other week saying how the you know the club wanted him to do some useful stuff with the foundation school projects dementia cafe but then the fa said that if he even helped out with the pe lesson at school then it might breach his sanction which feels a little bit over the top but he's back now which is which is good and the whole squad had some gambling awareness training i don't know if you saw the picture on twitter they'd um, i think they said it's in 60 players through the day so i guess that's going right down to the some of the youth teams as well I noticed the board on the, they're still, the players were all stood in front of um, what was a PowerPoint presentation on a screen and the top of it said, having attended today's session, are you likely to gamble? And the answer to that was no. Was there only one, was the only one answer? Well, the players were stood in front of the rest, but I imagine they just asked it and the players went, no. <laughs> That's the right answer, isn't well, the it? Answer That's from, what we've uh, learned. The answer from Jordan Stevens last time they did this was an unequivocal yes because he went straight out and started putting money on leads. The silly little sod. Some of the the detail around that ban is is quite interesting. That Phil Hay did a, an article on, in the Athletic and pointed out that he was allowed to attend the under-23s matches that were open to the public as long as he was there as a spectator. So he went to um, a game that the under-23s played at Elland Road, but he wasn't allowed to sit with, talk to, or almost make eye contact with any of his teammates, any of the coaching staff, any of the Leeds United staff. Presumably, he had to cover his face when he was giving his ticket to the, the person on the gate. It is very, very draconian. And one of the other interesting details in that is that one of the jobs Leeds explored um, giving him to do while he was um, banned from football was uh, working on the reception at Elland Road but um, because that would have meant entering the stadium. Um, he wasn't even allowed to do that. And there was a good line in it from Angus Kinnear, who is quite good when he's um, not about to vomit and feeling sassy about uh, how they wanted him to do some PE lessons and the, the FA had said, well, it, well, PE football, isn't it? And they said, well, we can't really go and teach him to uh, send him into schools to teach maths. He's a, he's a footballer. It's kind of this... I don't know. He could probably do the odds. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he could. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it's such a strange situation. It's interesting that Wimbledon... Their manager uh, was only banned from all football activities for four weeks for his uh, recent betting breaches, but he did then uh, lose his job. Um, they've replaced him at Wimbledon with uh, Glyn Hodges, which is a real blast from the 1990 uh, Pro Set cards. And yeah, it's all very mixed up still. Like you look at the, the photo of them at the on the training course yesterday, and they're all posing for the big thing. And that question on the big board behind them, it's it's true that it's strange. There, after attending this course, uh, do you feel like you want to go and gamble? And they're all stood there in their uni bet sponsored and 32 red sponsored training kit all saying no we are we will never gamble gambling is wrong and bad log on to unibet.com for your free special offers on the skybet championship i mean clearly a raffle is not a form of gambling however 
it does transition seamlessly from one to the other. Talking about the centenary kit draw, um, thanks so much if you've got involved in this, by the way. It's completely blown us away. If you haven't, quickly explain so you understand. Gaetano Barardi, we interviewed him a couple of years back and we've kind of loosely stayed in touch since and very kindly we reached out to him and said, look, can you get us a centenary kit or shirt anyway because we'd like to raffle it off to raise some money for the Leeds Children's Hospital Charity Leeds Cares. And Barardi's gone, yep, taken it away, got it signed, got it signed by Bielsa himself, which boosted the numbers, like the, the people entering no end. That was wild, was that? And so far we've got over £22,000 worth of entries and counting, which is just insane. I can give you the exact update. It is £22,164 raised by 2,289 supporters, which is 1,477% of our very pessimistic initial target. (laughs) I did set up the initial target and I I didn't want it to look shit if we didn't reach it. So I thought, in my head, I thought we can, with a decent run on this, we can probably get it to about five grand, but I want it to look like we've succeeded on this. But then we'd gone through five grand within about the first two hours of it or something ridiculous. And it just kept going up and up and up. We are going to start throwing some more prizes into this, actually. We, the Platinum Rail Services have kindly provided two tickets for the Gary Speed Suite for the QPR game. So we've, they've, we've already drawn that. And we're going to keep drawing a few extra bits as and when we fancy, really. So TSB shirts, subscriptions, anything else we, we happen to find, day out with Moscow, <laughs> that sort of stuff is going to, be, going to be available. So if you want to stick your name in the hat and do it sooner rather than later, then you can be in for all those additional little, clarify, little bits that we're throwing in. A day out with Moscow is not going to be one of the prizes on offer. Let's just clarify that. I think that's really bad sport, is that you should be up for that. I'm horrible company. Of... Why, would, why would you want to put Where, where are you going to take him? This? Well, where exactly. Him? Nowhere. It'll be rubbish. A day around a day out Moscow. Moscow. <laughs> no, they can sit outside if it's a day out. I'll, I'll be in here perfectly happy reading a book or something they can sit outside at least they'll know where I am I, I think but no we're I think not, we should, we should, we're not we should doing def- that. we should publish it in the terms and conditions that one of the prizes is a day out with Moscow and then he's got to do it legally a weekend with I'll Moscow just, right. I'll, I'll go to jail I will go to jail <laughs> I don't care excellent well for the main draw you have until December the 1st but the sooner you donate then the better chance you have of getting some of the spot prizes along the way £5 to enter and donations of more than that increase your chances. So, for example, if you donate 10 quid, you get two tickets in the draw, 20 quid will get you four, and so on and so forth. Full terms and conditions are available on the website, and if you want to enter that, please do, and we're so, so grateful again. Go to thesquareball.net forward slash shirt. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, so where are we going to be drinking at the end of the season? Because, you know, we're, we're frightened to death of not getting promoted, but deep down, we all know it's going to happen. The booze baton is determining exactly where it's going to happen. This was the idea of Eden J. Harris, the guy on Twitter who's known by his nickname of Garden. Great name. Uh, he decided that the end of season promotion party destination would be Leeds at the start of the season, but then every team that beats the previous one inherits the baton and that will be the the destination where we would party at the end of the season and everybody's invited. Everybody listening, come along. We'll have a jolly good time. So Stoke defeated us in the League Cup and it's been sort of via Birmingham, Manchester. Wolverhampton was the latest destination. Now, we, we decided there might be a, a European and domestic split depending on how this went. So can, we bring us, uh, can you bring us an update then, Michael, of, of where we've got to at this point? I'm heartbroken to have to tell you that um, Bratislava did not beat Wolves, so we're not going to be going to Eastern Europe at this stage anyway. There's still time for it to move around. Then it could have gone to Newcastle, which would have also been quite a decent night out, but they got a point there, so we're still in Wolverhampton, which is not ideal. I mean, there was no chance of Newcastle hanging on to that for the rest of the season anyway. That would have been a Maybe they can pick it up towards the end of the season if they have a late run of form or something after they've sacked Steve Bruce. True enough. So I was trying to find comfort in Wolverhampton, and I found that in 2009... Lonely Planet named it as the fifth worst city on the planet. <laughs> and there's a lot of quite murdery cities in, in the world as well. There were places in sort of Central America where, you, you, you know, your chances of being shot are really very, very high, but not as bad as Wolverhampton, apparently. And then I had a look again, see if there'd been any improvement. And last year, there was a YouGov poll about the worst cities in Britain and Wolverhampton was second bottom. Wow, that, I mean, it must be a real shithole that's bottom. Wow, what, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guess, Dan. I will let you guess. Um, I, I know. As a son of Bradford, I already know. We know our place in the world. It's fine. And I mean, I'm from Wakefield, who uh, fourth from bottom. So we, we've got very little room for smugness on this list. If, if only Moscow was from Sunderland, we could kind of do all four of them. This is why I'm glad to be Leeds, a place where we can just carve off shells like Farsley and they can drag other cities down <laughs> instead of our beautiful place although now Lucas Redderby son there maybe we'll have to uh, accession it again I mean it is worth saying that Leeds finished 40th out of this 57 um, city poll so it's not faring that well it's like York is top Bath, Edinburgh Chester, Durham etc places with cathedrals places with culture not Bradford I mean Bradford's got a cathedral but it's got no culture Leeds at 40th is a scandal by the way I mean Norwich is 24th I'm not having that Manchester 27 Plymouth 29 Rubbish. I mean, I am it's a shit list. I am very. I support you, Wolverhampton. <laughs> I am very close to Norwich at the minute, where we are on our little uh, little holiday, and it's a very pleasant part of the world, but it's completely inaccessible. You finally got your move, just like everybody else. Well, we've got another game this weekend. If God, it feels like they're every week throughout this season. QPR at home, who have been something of a surprise package this season. I mean, they could have gone second, as we sort of mentioned earlier on. Uh, against Brentford on Monday night, but as it is their eighth, which is kind of very indicative of what this division's like. It's a bit mad, isn't it? I think they're actually not very good. I'm not sure why they're where they are. They've conceded 26 goals. They should really be in the in the bottom three with a record like that. So I think it's finally Patrick Bamford's time. 
Yeah, QPR are in a, a strange situation. They're the third highest scorers in the division and they've got the second worst defensive record. Yeah, so they've got a minus two goal difference and yet they're, they've got one of the best attacks. I think they're not helped by their right back is Angel Rangel, who is, I think he's about 47 now. And it's, there's an element of it where they've just kind of like, oh, we've heard of him. We'll sign him. I'm wondering if uh, Mark Warburton is taking inspiration from our extra ball championship manager game, where it's just like, oh no, he was he was good once. Like, oh, Angel Rangel, he had some experience to the defence, and all he adds is, uh, I mean, if Helder Costa can't get past Angel Rangel, admittedly he'd have to swap wings with Jack Harrison for that to happen. But Bielsa, take my advice, stick Helder Costa up against Rangel. And let Harrison deal with whoever's on the somebody. They've got a uh, Bernard Manning's son, R. Manning. Um, <laughs> it's on the other side. Who is he? Ryan Manning. So yeah, put Harrison up against him, and uh, and let's see what we can do with uh, Angel Rangel. It's just a good name to say. Mark Warburton is that the guy who was at Brentford for a bit? I lose track of all the managers these days. Yes, he went off to Rangers for a while, and then they replaced him he's with Steven the, Gerrard. I think via some other people actually. He's the bread millionaire hobbyist. <laughs> um, well, maybe he'll use his loaf to defeat Leeds United at the weekend. Hey, uh, who have they got? Who's any good? Because I don't know anything about QPR. I expect them to be at least sort of lower mid-table 15th all the time. And I care not for their club. <laughs> John Hugill seems to be the uh, the main man who went, was at Preston, went to West Ham, played about 10 minutes, earned a load of money, and then they decided he was actually quite shit. So they sent him back to the championship. So he scores loads of goals from... Um, and there's a guy called Eze, who seems to be a, a sort of a attacking left-sided player, youngster that they've got. Who, he's also getting, getting good reviews and seems to be being linked with, with moves away, which is always a good sign for him. I hope he gets that move before they become any good. There's a G Cameron in their side as well, presumably related to David Cameron, so Bamford will be pleased, etc. G. Cameron is a 34-year-old defender from America. So he's a Republican. Um, so he'd be even more extreme. I think we've glossed over in their attack as well that uh, Naki Wells has started nine games, uh, come on a sub in three, and scored seven um, and two assists, which is mental. Like He's having one of his um, Huddersfield seasons where he's good. I can't believe Naki Wells isn't 30 yet. He's been around for... Forever. I'm sure we were linked to them in, in the League One days. We were. He was one of these players we were always going to get from Bradford. Has he not played for us at some point? It feels he, like he has. He should have done. He's 29 no, he until the 1st of June. You see, this touches the, the Danny Cadamatri's there with the sort of tour of West Yorkshire and never quite making it and all that sort of thing. Because he did play for us, didn't he? He, he did. And wasn't he brilliant? Not, not, with, not with any great distinction. He was a poor man's Julian Joachim. There is a there's, a, there's such a thing, <laughs> poorer than that. <laughs> anyway, um, we're expecting three points out of this one, aren't we, at the weekend? Yeah, it's a Saturday, it's three o'clock. That's nice as well. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a had one of those, so yeah. A workmanlike victory that just sails under the radar, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon with little uh, little fanfare. This is a game we should really get a, a decent win in. They're, they're shit defensively. This is when Bamford fancies confidence. Unlike at Moscow, I'm not going to predict a perfect hat-trick, but I think he will score in this because I don't think... I don't think he'll play. Son of Manning and Angle Rangel and Joanna Lumley in their goal will be able to stop him. Bamford ain't starting this game and Ketia will start this game and Bamford won't even get on and then Ketia won't score and we'll lose. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Felix, that'll be, for that'll you. Cause, that's going to cause too many 
issues for people because there'll be no one to blame then. People are just going to want a new manager, aren't they? It will be, this will be the result that breaks the internet. It is worth adding at this point that QPR have no clean sheets this season and we've got the most. So you know exactly what is going to happen, don't you? Or potentially, if we're going to completely lead it in, this is the game. One nil win for them. I mean, whoscored.com lists all their characteristics and it's interesting that all their strengths are creating chances, shooting, uh, finishing scoring chances and then all their weaknesses are defending, protecting the lead, defending against attacks on the wings, defending against long shots. So they are full-on attack and then nobody at the back. It's like a reverse George Graham lineup. So really, this is the game where, forget about my... uh, my silly old suggestion that we'd be, beat Birmingham 100-0 and we'd beat Preston 7-0 with a Bamford double hat-trick. This is the game where we score 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you, your predictions are uh, sensible as always, Moscow. I, I think this is this is a comfortable home win, this one. What about you, Michael? Should be, yeah. I really hope so. We need to just get a win to calm everyone the fuck down. On to heroes and villains now then. Who has made our lives better and worse across the last seven days? It's the custom to start off with the Ken Bates Villainy Award, somebody who has darkened our door a wee bit. And it's also customary to have Ken Bates have the first nomination. So uh, has he been up to much this week? Well, not Councilman Ken Bates this time, but um, we're back to Vice President of the Humboldt Fisherman Marketing Association. The city of Eureka, which I think is somewhere. It's Halifax, isn't it? Ha 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 Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, they're looking for a new uh, a new city manager and some people have been a bit upset that all the candidates are men. But Ken Bates, vice president of the Humboldt Fishermen's Marketing Association, isn't bothered. He just says, um, it's important to have a city manager who understands the issues of coastal communities. Because it, it makes life a challenge for fishermen when they don't. What we need here is a local person who understands the fishing industry here. So that's Ken. So yeah, not bothered about sexism. It's quite right. It's not a job for a woman because uh, historically, sirens have always called fishermen onto the rocks with their seductive songs. So if you put um, a woman in charge, that's just going to happen to all the the fishermen in Eureka when they're trying to get to uh, Halifax down the canal. (laughs) And they will be, they'll be sung onto the towpath by their their bewitching (laughs) song of sin. And the fish themselves, they're not blameless, of course. Slippery little customers living in the sea, travelling the earth, they go where they please. But I'm there to stop them. That's why I took up fishing in the first place. Specifically dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> They're the, one of the biggest, and if you ask me, one of the biggest menaces. With the, the, the blowhole, I don't trust that for a second. I, when I go for addict and chips... That doesn't have a blowhole. Why do the dolphins need a blowhole? <laughs> Why do they think they're special? I've got news for them. They're not. And I hope they get caught up in my <laughs> tin of John West. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Ken. What about Keith Andrews? Then he's a bellend. Still not seen any of the clips of him on TV, but just the fact that he's on TV, it should end. Yeah, there is a Saved by the Bell remake coming up, I think, so he'll hopefully not be on... Sky Sports football for much longer. He'll be busy. The latter day screech. And who else do we want to nominate? Uh, Gary Monk. Well, we've got him down for using the phrase uh, created the most offensive actions. And 
it, it is a bit unnecessary for him to talk like somebody who is translating himself. Um, just just speak. We can understand you in English. You don't have to pretend you're 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 translating this from a tactics book that you were bought for Christmas and ignored. Um, and also his crack about um, making Leeds look like we'd only been together for eight weeks. Instead, well, Sheffield Wednesday looked like the team who'd been trained for two years by somebody who, if you believe Gary Monk, is just as good as Marcelo Bielsa. Well, let's see where you are in a year, Gary. Because you won't be managing Sheffield Wednesday. I want to say you might be in jail, but I'm not sure what the uh, <laughs> um, the, the legal implications of that might be for me, whether I go to jail. For, an, for, for an offensive say. action. Yeah, and I, I would predict if he's not in jail, it'll be somewhere it'll be somewhere in the East Midlands, a middling championship side like either Forest or Derby. He's got to have a go at Derby at some point. Yeah, Derby and Forest are both a good shout. They have a, a new manager every season, don't they? Sometimes two. So I think if if he stays around for long enough, he'll end up there eventually. Will he ever get promoted, though? That's the question. <sighs> Not his thing. Uh, who else do we want to nominate then as villains, or are we going to pick one? Yeah, I'd go Barry Bannon and Stephen Fletcher, just for the, the double hair transplant in, in the one team. It's too much. Just age, age gracefully. Just shave it off. Says, says uh, Normanton there with his bald pate. <laughs> just shave it off, lads. It's over. Stop trying to patch it up. Bannon, um, I thought was, it, it looks like he should be asking for some of his money back because there was clear daylight there on display. It was quite brave of him to be doing his corner kick signals by, uh, well, doing the Cardiff Ayatollah, which was uh, which was strange for a start. I think he might be angling for a move to go and uh, knock the set pieces over for Colin Warnock. But yeah, just drawing attention to, uh, or maybe he was trying to cover it up. Maybe he realised that the cameras were behind him as he, as he lined up a corner. It's like, no, don't look at my board patch. And everybody in the box is like, oh, right, this one's going to the front post. It's going to be flicked on. And he's like, no, no, I didn't mean that. Very confusing for him. Much easier if he just shaved it off. So do we have any more candidates then, or is that your lot? That's it for me. Just give it to Gary Monk. I'm sick of the sight of him. I'd go along with that. I'm not happy to see him ever, and I, I'm disappointed in myself that I ever was. I mean, can a snake receive a theoretical trophy? I don't see why not. The only thing he ever did right, really, was not being Steve Evans. That was his main, his main achievement for Leeds. So for that, you know, that remains. I'd still rather have him than than Steve Evans, but you know, there are many, there are several diseases I'd rather have over Steve Evans. Congratulations then to Gary Monk for taking that the Ken Bates Villainy Award for this week, the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Right now, then the people who have brought a little bit of sunshine to our lives, and I would like to nominate right out of the blocks Ben White because he's just great. He's great. He's a great footballer, and I want to keep him. Anybody want to keep uh, Ben White? If if Brighton or Letters, then I think we can all get on board with that. That's just that. I think I think they're probably going to taking a look at him and thinking they might have him back. I think we all know what's going to happen is that Brighton will take Ben White back and we'll just give Berardi a new contract, which I would be absolutely fine with because I think he should have a hero nomination, not only for playing very well against Sheffield Wednesday, apart from when he let Fletcher have that shot that hit the bar, but also for giving us a shirt and raising lots of money for hospitals. What's Ben White ever done for charity, eh? In his young life, nothing. <laughs> I think this week, I mean, I know we, we need to see the outcome of the whole Charlton racism thing, but Kiko Casilla, he had a good week, I think, this week. He was very good against Sheffield Wednesday, probably his best game. Let's just hope he's not a big racist. I mean, I don't really want... Otherwise, yeah, I don't want racist heroes. We don't want to have to take this award back off him, do we? If it's if he turns out he is. So, a bit, a bit awkward. Anybody else, then? I think Nketiah for the, for the goal against Preston, because I think it, if we'd have lost that, there'd have been 
more hate for Bamford than there was, but because we still took something from the game, it prevented like a, a full crisis developing off the back of one game, which would have been crazy. But I think it was, it's reaching that point where people are getting getting too angry with there's not scoring goals. Eddie is the symbol of all our optimism for the season, really, isn't he? It's like whatever whatever happens on the pitch, it's just like if we only started Eddie and Ketia, we would be promoted in a in a flash. So it's probably best that we we nominate him for this now before he gets those starts and starts disappointing us. And we actually, uh, rather than worrying about Arsenal recalling him, we're worrying about them not taking him back ever. And one that we mentioned on the match ball as well was Jermaine Beckford, who was doing some sterling work to counter the evil of Keith Andrews on Sky Sports, just being full on leads, wearing his badge, laughing in Andrews' face for his daft comments. Good on him. Well done, Jermaine. I like Jermaine Beckford. There's a lot to love about Jermaine. There was as a player and now he's, re- now he's retired from the game. Arguably before we retired from the game, he's shown himself to be a, an actual Leeds fan as well. There's a strong shout for him to win this, I think, because it was, uh, I think that was his debut on Sky and the, uh, he absolutely lauded it over Keith Andrews, which is necessary. He's needed putting in his place for a long time and, uh, and Beckford's just, he's so relaxed with it. And, um, and just a nice, a nice person, and uh, and maybe for uh, this could be like a, a cumulative award because his performance over the last few weeks as a Leeds fan has been pretty good. He was good for the centenary stuff. He's been decent on LUTV. He's cheered everybody up when he he pops up. So he, I'd, I'd give it to Jermaine. Sort of a reverse booking for totting up offences, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. He should get a, a. It's like the way that Pat Bamford thinks that you get a goal if you miss ten chances. Um, Beckford should get a, a an award for so many nominations. Congratulations, Jermaine Beckford. That he can have the award for this week. Our Andy Hughes hero. And final word now then, as we hurtle in towards the weekend, subscriptions for the season, loads of Ace merch, including the Leeds Carajo mugs, the hoodies, new ones on there as well, growing pink, available at thesquareball.net, including subscriptions to our other podcast, The Extra Ball, which is $2.99 a month. First month is free if you fancy trying that one out for size. And the uh, the raffle for the signed centenary shirt, which can also be found via a link at thesquareball.net forward slash shirt it will take you straight through to the raffle and let's continue to raise loads of cash for Leeds Children's Hospital that will be awesome so are we optimistic heading into QPR and an undefeated five wins out of five November Michael yes will your uh, bets your um, naughty naughty bets will they reflect that uh, no let's let's just have a look actually I bet we'll be we'll be hot favourites for this QPR game so that's going to easily be worth um, going to be worth five pounds I would think of my money Let's just see. Oh yes, they're uh, five to one. You can get QPR at, so that's that's worth ten pounds of my money. So, so I'll be doing that. Michael, can I ask but you? I hope I hope to lose it. Can I ask you? Uh, having attended today's podcast, yeah. are you likely to gamble? <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm likely to. But it's not really gambling though. It's insurance, isn't it? It's insurance. I'm not betting on other stuff. Although I am banned from doing PE lessons. <laughs> which is possibly a conversation for another day. And are you optimistic, Moscow? Well, you've predicted a big win against QPR. What about the rest of November? We'll lose all those games, um, but we'll beat QPR. So, yeah, optimistic until Saturday afternoon. That's me. Well, fingers crossed for a successful November. Then thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We will speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.